You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined today by Matt Groon, another pastor here. And this is Monday, so we are doing what we do every Monday, sitting down to read the passage of scripture that was preached yesterday and talk about it a little bit more. And our aim is not just to um, re-preach or regurgitate, but but to reflect really on uh, the significance of this text and to let, like Paul commands us in Colossians 3.19, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Um, I, you know, it's, it's just easy for us to think that anytime we've heard something once, we don't need to hear it again. Yeah. And the way that God's word works is it just gets worked down into hmm. our hearts and our minds and our souls. And the aim really is to know it so well that, um, that it has an effect on us. Mm-hmm. So th- that is our, our desire. And, and that happens by discussing. And so really what we do here, you know, it's our hope that the people of Emmaus Road Church are involved in this kind of practice throughout the week in mm-hmm. discipleship huddles and missional communities and just getting together, talking about the word. Cause it's as we talk about it and, and probably our ideas have overlapped to things that were said in the sermon or mm. whatever, but it, it's as we process it that we start to own that for ourselves that I, I believe this, I'm convinced that this is true. Um, and, and this gets something done in me when, mm. when the word dwells in me. So Psalm 10, we are in our summer Psalms series. We've got one more week of that to go. Greg, we'll wrap that up this coming Sunday yeah. and then we'll be back in Exodus. But I, I preached from Psalm 10 yesterday. Let me read that. And then, um, Matt, you and I were just talking before we turned the mics on about really just overall the the value, the benefit of the Psalms for us and how rich this brief series has been this summer, Um, as well as we're going to see here an imprecatory Psalm, Mm. kind of specifically that category of Psalms. So maybe talk a little bit more about a few of those things. Let me read Psalm 10. David writes, this is a Psalm of David. I didn't mention this in the sermon. I probably should have, but we believe it's a Psalm of David because Psalm 9, the title there, Psalm 10 does not have a title. Psalm 9 does. Psalm 9 is a Psalm of David and 9 and 10 go together apparently because they, in the Hebrew, it's an acrostic. Mm. Psalm 9 is the first half of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 10 is the second half. The themes are, there's some similarity, but they're, they're distinct. So it makes sense why they're two different Psalms, but they kind of go together. So Psalm 10, this is David writing and David says, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. 
Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the Psalms and for this Psalm that just deals with one of those troubling realities of life in a fallen world where uh, sinful people commit great crimes and atrocities that cause uh, destruction of life and property. And uh, thank you that your word helps us to uh, endure these things and to it just points us to you and, and models for us how to fight the, the fight of faith. And so we do cry out to you for justice, that you would break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. So lead us as we think about these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Well, we were just talking about the, um, just the benefit of the Psalms yeah. as Psalms. And I think that's worth reflecting on even again here. Yeah, because... I think that's worth reflecting because of the just wide array that we get in the Psalms. Like just to what we've preached this summer, you know, I did a lament Psalm 13. Logan does this uh, from Psalm eight, the, the majesty of God and really just an adoration him, kind of yeah. him of his greatness and you taking this imprecatory Psalm um, just shows the wide array of human emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying to, to somebody before church on Sunday who, who was just was grateful for this time in the Psalms. I just, made the comment of like, just imagine if we didn't have the Psalms, <laughs> imagine mm. what kind of book would we have? We'd mm. have a, a lot of history, some wisdom, um, and here and there and some doctrine, but we wouldn't have any authoritative spirit inspired language that deals with just kind of raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, that throughout w- all the different circumstances of life. Yeah. And even just these three that we've looked at, mm-hmm. you've got, suffering that is lamentable um begging god how long will this continue will you hide your face from me forever to oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth just mm-hmm. declare the, the 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 deep valleys of suffering to the high mountain peaks of everything we, we look see your hand everywhere to this these injustices are happening and and david really asks, will you stay away from me forever? Will, will you ignore our plight forever? And um, Whereas Psalm 13, a lament of all the um, hard circumstances that are happening just in general, the suffering involved, this is less dealing with the suffering and more of the injustice that's mm-hmm. being witnessed. Right. Um, but all that to say is like, the, without sounding cliche and giving all the qualifiers of God's word is our final authority and and so forth. The Psalms, at least experientially, give some sort of validity to our emotions. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that we're led by our emotions, and that's not to say that we are ruled by our emotions, but it is to say that we have emotions in this fallen world. And praise be to God that he has not left us without some language, <laughs> without yeah. some guiding, some, some guidance to somebody to take us by the hand and walk us through 
these hard circumstances because hard circumstances that they come at us all the time. Um, and we're dealing with life when you deal with life and you deal with other people, you're dealing with sinners and you're dealing with sin in a fallen world. And David especially just seems to take us by the hand and like, all right, walk with me as we walk through this together. And so, so in an, in a lament, he's crying out to God in in a, uh, a hymn of adoration. He's singing to God in this imprecatory Psalm. He's asking God to do something. Um, and that, really does change it all. And in a lot of ways it, it does, you know, that, that cliche phrase, um, God does quote, meet us wherever we are, mm. um, right where you are, but he doesn't, the Psalms do that, but they don't leave us there. Mm. They, they take us and you know, to get to, as you were saying before, is like, you got to start where you're at. You can only start there. That's right. And then from there you go and, and you, David only gets to these last verses by starting with the first, why God do you stand far away? Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me just has been so encouraging to me in yep. my own soul of thank, thanking God that he has given us these Psalms. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it, it does in a sense validate our emotions. I think that's a an issue that we often wrestle with. What do we make of our emotions? Because we know they're not necessarily reliable and there are two ditches people often fall into one is where emotions are everything and so in that world validating emotions means really treating them as the most important thing Um, but the other ditch is like stoicism where you Mm -hmm. just bury the emotions you deny them stiff upper lip you fake it till you make it whatever you so you you deny your emotion so either you are saying no this is what I feel and so this is all that matters or you're saying what I feel doesn't matter at all and what we see in scripture is I think you know the way we've talked about it maybe you even mentioned this in your sermon on Psalm 13 and the lament there but the idea that what we feel is real you you really do feel that that's real but it's not necessarily true right and and that personally has just been the most helpful way to process my emotions. I Mm. really feel this, but what I feel isn't necessarily true. And like you were just saying, all you can do is start where you are. And so if where you are is, I really feel this, you have to know how to get from where you are to where you should be. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're lost in the woods or you're lost in an unfamiliar city, wherever you're lost, that's where you are. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get unlost is to get your bearings to get some right. sort of direction so that you can get from where you are in, in your lostness to where you are trying to go. And, and that's why the Psalms are so helpful because they always pick us up right there. Like, right. you know, Psalm 10 starts with this question, why, O oh Lord, you stand far away. Why do you hide your face? And in times of trouble, <laughs> the times when we need you the most feels like, where are you? Right. And then very next section, David just goes on. He spends, you know, through um, verse 11, just describing how bad things are, yeah. how, the, how wicked the wicked are. And that's what he's seeing. And, and then he, at the end, he gets to declarations like the Lord is king. Hmm. But he works his way there from where he's, he starts with where he's feeling. And so, like you're saying, the, the Psalms really help us. And I made this point in the sermon yesterday that the Psalms are primarily for singing and praying. We can write about them. We can preach about them. We can read them. But they really reach their their fullest 
purpose when we sing them and pray them mm. because that that's what they are. They, right. they were written to be sung by God's people. Right. They give language to that. And so uh, I think we miss something if all we do is read them, think about them, but don't actually follow the pattern laid out for us and, and pray the Psalms to, to get there. Right. It's been said before, like, yes, you can know things about honey. You can study honey. Right. You can find all the, write down all the attributes. Well, I know it's sweet. I know it's sticky and I know it's, it goes well on this and that, whatever. And you can know all those things. Um, and that's well and good, but that's not the same as tasting it mm-hmm. and putting it on your toast and actually taking a bite and be like, Oh, that's delicious. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it's made for. That's what God yes. gave us. There's all these processes. You can talk about the pollination cycles and all these, the, how bees mm-hmm. do this and blah, blah, blah. And you can speak about all that and have all that locked in your brain. And all of that culminates in tasting it and right. seeing. And, and that really is what the Psalms are meant to function as. And so, Ryan, as we, as we turn to Psalm 10 in, in particular, it, you, you helped us. Mm. <laughs> and I think this is helpful because like, I, I think you're right. I'm not sure I've ever heard a sermon on an imprecatory Psalm, uh, which is a crazy word. Can, can you fill back out for us this, this word, this imprecation? Yeah. Um, and maybe, yeah, just unpack that in a more unhurried, you know, you're not trying <laughs> to, you're not trying to zoom through the sermon, yeah. but well, fill that out for us. Yeah. Imprecation, like I said yesterday is, uh, it, it refers to a spoken curse mm. and we have to clarify there because probably for most people in English, you hear the word curse. First connotation is, you know, some profanity, some right. four letter word, right. not that kind of cursing. Um, and not a hex, not like some magic right. voodoo. Right, which I think is um, probably the next place people's minds might right. go of like, okay, so this is like putting a curse on right. somebody. Um, like invoking yes, some foreign putting power. Putting a to, spell on, yep. on them or something. Some voodoo thing where, you know, in voodoo they have the voodoo doll and they... they oh, we've seen Indiana in. Jones, Ryan. We've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> like that. So this is this is not David right. trying to practice voodoo to right. get his enemies destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, curse, we have to understand that in the covenantal structure. Like God relates to people through covenants. And, and with a covenant, there are blessings for obedience and faithfulness to the covenant. And then there are curses. There are consequences or, or sanctions for disobedience and law breaking. And so with Israel, we see that God gathers his people there and says, um, when you get into the promised land, set up two mountains on either side, one for the blessing and one for the curse. And Mm -hmm. then the tribes are split and and they're supposed to read out these blessings and these curses. Um, And to both the blessings and the curses, the people are supposed to say amen. Because it's not like the blessings are good and the curses are bad. We tend to think, no, the, the curse is affirming the righteousness of God that um, this is God's way. And to break that really does deserve God's judgment and his wrath. And yeah. so people can say amen to the curse even. Yeah. This is the, the punishment, the penalty that's deserved for violating God's ways, for doing evil, for committing crimes, for murdering people, for robbing people that this deserves punishment and that moral law is not is was revealed specifically and specially to the people of god but that law applies to all people right and that's where i think people get tripped up is is okay curses i we understand we're a part of the deal like we're, we're, we're signers of this deal yeah of course we break the rules that we voluntarily signed up for then sure yeah but how can i pray that about this 
pagan country over here that's doing that. Right. Right. That, yeah. So in Psalm 10, I think it's significant that the wicked that David has in mind, he spends so much of the time, and you know, it's a common theme here in this Psalm, the, just by repetition, the wicked say in their heart, there is no God. Right. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. Um, he says, God does not see. God will not remember. He will not call me to account. So here is a godless person, yeah. n- not a covenant-keeping person. It yeah, doesn't care about your God. Yeah. It doesn't care about your, his rules. <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah. saying, covenant, what covenant? I yeah. don't care about blessings and curses. I don't care about righteousness and unrighteousness or God's laws. And David is not like, oh, shoot. Well, then I guess this doesn't apply to him. Carry on. He can just do whatever he wants and there is no threat. You know, God God will do nothing about it. No, that's David's whole appeal. God, you do see and you will call to account. So he's asking God to call to account those who deny God. And so, yeah, it's not limited just to the nation of Israel or just to those who say, oh, okay, I I opt into God's moral system. No, God governs the world covenantally and so there are sanctions that go with God's moral law and that's important for us to remember as Christians living today that God's moral law is not like you know that the, summed up in the Ten Commandments the, the ten great suggestions hey right. if you're looking for um, the good life a, a good a good life a wise path to try here are ten tips <laughs> no th- this is God saying this is the way of righteousness and there really are serious consequences um, God's wrath against those who who break this and that's David's appeal. And you can really hear David's frustration and and, and his uh yeah, I I'm what the what was the word consternation throughout mm-hmm. this opening section where he's describing the evils around him. He really is at his wit's end like like things like they are not just doing evil things, they're getting away with it. Right. So he he's equally appalled by what they're doing yes. and the fact that it feels like they're not, There's nobody's no calling them to account. Yeah. And so that, that seems to be driving his, um, and that they are who they are because they are powerful people and, yeah. and powerful people wield, they are just getting away with it. And I think all of us, whether at your job or anywhere in this society or your family or whatever it is, like you, we've experienced that frustration, that type of injustice where it's like, how do they get away with this? That's right. How, how can they get away with this? And so, and oftentimes it looks like, well, I'm going to pick up my ball and I'm going to go home and I'm going to go find a different church or a different job or a different whatever. Mm-hmm. We're going to move to a different state. We're going to do X, Y, Z. David is not taking that path. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. calling upon God. So this goes back to that. The, the law of God, the moral law, the universal moral law of God applies to all people. So he's not saying, well, I find this distasteful, right? but you know, and maybe that's how they do it in their town, you know, where, no, he's, he's appealing to God, which assumes that that same God applies, his law applies to this evildoer that's right. and, and throughout the Psalms, because even in like, in the laments of, of like Psalm 13 of this, uh, this enemy that laughs at the, at David, uh, the, the enemies almost always referring to some godless person who is not just doing evil against the person, but, but doing evil to really despite God, right? What the, the enemy in the Psalms finds distasteful is not so much the, the faithful's person, but the faithful's faith mm-hmm. that who, who their trust in God. So it isn't, it is a direct attack against 
God's kindness and God's mercy and God's covenantal favor on people that these evildoers seemingly getting away with. And yeah. David's just describing the scene. And I think, you know, anybody who's lived in this world long enough can can look at their town and their city and their neighborhood and lament, like as you as you did on your intro, lament the rise in crime and lament the fact that, you know, we gotta lock our doors and lament the fact that things are a changing. Um and I think that's I think that's right. I think that again, the Psalms give us language for our everyday experience. That's, that's right. Yeah. One other place I'd point just to um, demonstrate that this idea of curses or imprecations really do extend beyond the people of God. This is not limited to well, if you're an Israelite or if you are a Christian in the church, then then these threats are real. But otherwise, you can just carry on without right. any. Uh, consequence uh, Genesis twelve three when God makes his covenant with Abraham part of that Abrahamic covenant is those who bless you I will bless those who dishonor you I will curse mm. and God says to Abraham in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed so so there is a global yeah. aspect to the Abrahamic covenant and that covenant includes blessings and curses That's right so there will be nations who will be blessed because they will believe in the savior who descended from Abraham and there will be godless nations who will be under that curse because they dishonor Abraham or the savior who comes from him. And that's, I think what's important to note too, is like that doesn't all just get spiritualized in Jesus. It doesn't all get moved into this unseen world because Jesus came. Um, In fact, he, puts it into the ground and comes back out of the ground and says, I have authority over all things. Therefore go and make disciples of those nations, baptizing them and teaching them and and Christianizing, evangelizing them. So Jesus doubles down on that. We know that also because of Paul, like you pointed up in Paul in Romans 13, where he is appealing to the church in Rome to be aware that the Roman guard, the Roman government, they are a minister of God's, he, they carry the sword to administer and be ministers of God's justice. Yeah, exactly. And that justice comes down to us from his law. Um, so, you know, okay, great. All well in you to quote Abraham's covenant, but don't, Ryan, don't you know we live in the new covenant? Mm. Jesus, this didn't get abrogated and dissolved in Jesus or just moved into some, you know, personal savior, you know, type of thing, but rather actually was was actually actualized if you will right as redundant but it was actually it was actualized in and executed in the sense that the way that promise god made in genesis 12 of through you all the nations will be blessed he's talking about jesus right talking about the way that you're going to bless all the nations is from you is going to come one who will bless all the nations that he can actually after he has put death in its grave can come out of the grave and say all authority on heaven and earth belongs to me. Therefore go and I'm with you always. So just that all is context for placing the imprecatory Psalms in the right place. Right. And, and, you know, again, this is one of those things that because of time didn't make it into the sermon, but um, if you survey, how have Christians thought about imprecatory Psalms? I I did touch on this. It it, it has been a question Christians Mm. have wrestled with. Can we actually pray these things? Mm. Uh, you know, the, this is a strong language to pray. Break the arm of the evildoer. Let them be caught in their own schemes. Is it right for us to pray that? Yeah. Shouldn't we rather pray something like save them, open their eyes to the gospel, bring them to repentance? Um, yes. Can, can we really pray that? So, yeah, absolutely. And if the way that God breaks the arm of the evildoer is by bringing them to repentance, praise God. Praise God. Yeah. I mean, we, we are not 
against that at all. Um, but one of the ways that Christians have dealt with the imprecatory Psalms, and, and I think they're off here, is to draw kind of a hard distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Like the Old Testament permitted this kind of thinking, this was okay for God's people like David to pray this way. But in the New Testament, we rise above that. In Jesus, we're, we're elevated above that. Um, and, and there's just, you know, this goes back a long time. Um, Marcionism was this heretical view that the God of the Old Test- Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. If you had on your bingo card to come out on the podcast, Marcionism... Put your tab, put, put, make sure you, you mark go. that one. Yeah. Should be the, the code word for this episode. Seriously. You can call in and win a prize. That's right. If you heard Marcionism, be the third caller. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, so it's a, this view that God changed or right. different God of the Old Testament, New Testament, because some people read the Old Testament and think, wow, God of wrath and judgment and anger and, you know, brimstone and fire and New Testament. Well, here's Jesus and here's mercy and grace. And, but, but that's just a very, um, simplistic and and just not true reading of scripture. It's also not consistent. I mean, right. Because what's the limiting principle on that then, you know, because if you're saying that of the imprecatory Psalms to get out from under having to pray the imprecatory Psalms, then really what's limiting you from allowing what, what makes praying the lamenting Psalms permissible? Um, exactly. What, what makes praying these majestic hymns, uh, permissible, uh, without, without the firm conviction that God's word comes to us as God's word and what he said he meant. And then having a consistent theological framework that can apply all things evenly. That's right. You're always going to have this principle shifting around. Yeah. Cause then you have to go through, this is actually kind of a slightly different response. Christians have had to imprecatory Psalms is to say that, well, the, these ones express sinful emotions. This is just, mm. they're just, David was wrong. Like, uh, this is actually C.S. Lewis's position on this is <laughs> th- these <Wrong>. are, <laughs> David is expressing base human um, desire for revenge. Don't, yeah. don't imitate this at all. But like you're saying, that requires you to have to read the Bible with like two colored highlighters. Mm-hmm. You have to highlight the stuff that like, this is good. Imitate this. This is bad. Don't this. Yeah. And, and ha- what's the principle by which you're you're doing that yeah. because in the same Psalm, certain lines you go, well, that that's good. The Lord yeah. is King. He's on his throne. The nation's perish. Yeah, that's true. But, but then this line, David right. says, Nope, David's wrong there. What are you judging that against? And you're judging that against your own. I don't like that. Right. I do like that. And, and ultimately what it becomes hard to say with Paul in second Timothy three sixteen that all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and training righteousness. Well, except for those imprecatory Psalms. Yeah. Uh, those weren't great, <laughs> but everything else, all, when I say Pontas Grafe, I mean all those minus the imprecatory Psalms. Yeah. Are you yeah. speaking Greek? Uh, well, uh, if you someone. can call in with the Greek words that Matt just said. <laughs> yeah, man, we're on, we're on point today. This is great. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's worth pointing out though, um, that Jesus as the, you know, the grace of God has appeared. Titus two eleven says, yeah. speaking about Jesus, Jesus has come and Paul can say the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And yet Jesus speaks imprecations. Mm-hmm. He, he speaks of judgment and, and curses. So for example, Matthew 11, um, says, then he, Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And then he says in verse 21, woe to you, 
Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Mm. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. Mm. That's strong, cursing language. Uh, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day, but it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So here's Jesus speaking this curse on those who have rejected him. And, and we see that same idea in Hebrews 2, where the author of Hebrews makes this argument, and I, I think it's it relates to the imprecatory Psalms, where he says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression, speaking of the old covenant, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect mm-hmm. such a great salvation? So the logic there is, if the old covenant came with threats and sanctions and curses, and the and God meant it, and there really was... A consequence for those who disobeyed under that how how would we expect that we would escape now that a something better than the old covenant has mm-hmm. come it does not mean that there's no consequence it means that th- this is even better so if you yeah. rejected moses and that was bad then it's really bad to reject jesus yes. yeah <laughs> so, so that's the logic up. there it's, so yeah. you don't see this like oh new covenant now it's just no curse just all blessing no it, it's actually heightened Yes, the blessing is even greater in Jesus, but the curse of, of rejecting Jesus is even more severe. And I think as we look again, as we, you know, as you were preaching Psalm 10, it's just, it's in, it's vital that we're not just, the, the framework, the context of the imprecatory Psalms is not ourselves. It's not, we're not calling on this guy wronged me and my law. Right. So God smite him for that's right offending me this guy's in my way and you know for my business dealings i need this guy removed so god take him out in that voodoo way because that right there is the basis of like most violent crime i was speaking with a guy in our church who's a an officer and he, he was just describing how like most violent crime is not opportunistic it's not like um you know it's just what it is is this dude disrespected me and i'm gonna go seek justice i'm gonna seek mm-hmm. revenge taking my own hands and yeah. so that is not what david's doing here right. he's and this is, you think he did so well in the sermon of reminding us he's appealing to god to act according to his law yes because the avenger or the um the wicked is doing to victims real victims that's the other thing is like there there are There's real victims. on the other side of that crime that's yeah. right they are doing to them not contrary to my law, but to God's law, right. God's revealed law. And so he's begging God to act according to his law and to, to execute justice, to him take justice into his own hands, not David the speaker. Right. And that's vital for this. Is um, That's where these, these, these imprecations can really find their legitimacy and their context and their power is asking God to be true to his word because what we're seeing is injustice in God. Would you act? Right. Would you act? Because it's not just an injustice to me. It's an injustice to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, somebody is suffering. Yeah. That, Defend that, your name and, and rescue the afflicted. And rescue the afflicted. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Th- those are David's driving concerns. And so th- he is actually doing what Paul commands in Romans 12. Um, don't take it into your own hands. Don't avenge yourself. Leave it to God. Right. Because God is the one who says... 
vengeance is mine, yeah. I will repay. And, and so this is a way of entrusting ourselves to God by handing it over to him and asking him to in, uh, uphold his moral law by enacting those sanctions that he has warned will, will come to those who, who disobey his law. And just, just reminding ourselves of the reality that no, at, in the end, no one will ever get away with it. Right. God is not, nobody's sneaking behind his back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we might feel like they're getting away with it now and they likely are, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't take, you know, a genius to look at the world around us and see corruption and, um, yeah, evildoers getting away with doing evil, whether to us personally or on a national scale or a state scale or a global scale, we, we see right. injustices happening and people suffering because of it. Um, and we're tempted to think somebody's got to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. it, you know, the imprecations are doing that. It's asking God to do something. Yeah. But in the end, we can have peace mm -hmm. because in the end, God will, the scales will be set and they will be, and he will execute all justice. And yeah. it's like when you said, you know, we pray in Revelation 22, come Lord Jesus. Well, <laughs> there with him comes Comes a man on a horse and hell follows with him, right? Yeah. He will come and yeah, he's and, coming to judge and will living in the dead bring about that type of justice. Right. And so that is got that has to be our ultimate peace, yeah. Yeah. because if our peace is only settled into, does it? Do I feel satisfied in justice being dealt? Mm -hmm. We're gonna we're gonna constantly be frustrated. But if we can rest in God and he, what He has said He will do, mm -hmm. and ultimately has done in Christ, then we can have actual peace. Yeah. That's excellent. And in closing, I'll just share how this has affected me, studying the psalm, preaching the psalm, mm -hmm. praying this. Um, one, it just gives me a lot of hope and encouragement that we do have recourse. Because when, mm -hmm. when you hear about rising crime and you hear about atrocities going on in the world around you, it's just, what, what can I do yeah. about it? And Psalm 10 says, you have access to the Lord who is king, enthroned mm -hmm. in heaven. Uh, the God of righteousness and justice, and you can make your case before him. And when you do, David is asserting here, God does see and he does hear and he will incline his ear. So praying is powerful and, and we should we should pray. And I mentioned this in the sermon yesterday, but th this personally I've just been affected by thinking of all of the complex factors that play into rising crime in a community. May it not be true that a prayerless apathetic mm. church is one of those causes. Yeah. And, and I just think as the people of God, um, it, it's possible to just grow apathetic, hopeless, prayerless, um, to not grieve the crime, to be so callous to it that we're just, we don't think about it. Or what, what can we do? We live in yeah. a, a neighborhood where we think, well, I'm safe here and that doesn't really touch me. And we just don't care. And when actually like David shows us, we, we should care. Our hearts should break for the afflicted. Mm. Um, and for the glory of God's name, because mm. ultimately God is dishonored. And, and then that should be expressed in praying and singing mm. psalms like this. So I, I'm thankful to God for his word, yes. because um, this informs then for us how, how we live in this fallen world. That's right. So, thank you. Mm-hmm.